Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Has uh, got a lot to dive into all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. A lot of action to react to from last night. Going to start off with the pay-per-view, Fox pay-per-view, as you had Andy the Destroyer Ruiz taking on Chris the Nightmare Ariola. We had Chris Ariola on the program last week, uh, as many of you heard. And uh, very intriguing fight coming into this because it not only was uh, a fight against, you know, two guys the, the week before Cinco de Mayo, the Mexican Heritage, but you had um, two guys coming in who are not known as looking the most uh, in shape as it comes to in the heavyweight division. But uh, both guys who probably got into some of the best shape of their career for this bout against each other and were both very motivated, both felt like there's a lot on the line coming into this. And there really was. I mean, especially, you know, probably more so for Andy Ruiz because of the way he looked in his last fight against Anthony Joshua and especially physically. Uh, not so much of uh, of his performance because he didn't get knocked out. And I really don't think that... Uh, he should be embarrassed by that performance, but it's it's one of those where I know he probably felt like he left a lot on the table of a, of a guy with his style that, you know, he probably, you know, you saw what he did on short notice, probably could do if he, if he really took it seriously, probably could have beaten Anthony Joshua again. So you have that on that side. And then on Chris Ariola's side, as you heard with him with us, um, probably his last stand as far as like if he's really going to get back into the heavyweight title. And the heavyweight title picture, which is kind of its own mess right now to begin with, you got to beat Andy Ruiz, and you probably got to do it in some serious fashion um, to get the kind of credit you deserve. So he uh, and, and look, he had a moment in this fight where he was pretty much on his way to getting there. Um, you know, with with Andy coming in thirty pounds lighter than he did in the fight, the rematch with Anthony Joshua. And Chris Ariola coming in, I believe it was the lightest of his career. He was in the, the 220s, so he looked really, really good, too. Um, very poised, very uh, calm and calculated those first three rounds of this fight. Basically letting Andy come to him, and he hit him with a couple of big shots. But I think you saw immediately right out of the gate what kind of shape Andy Ruiz was in just because, you know, he basically touched the canvas, popped right back up kind of weathered the storm throughout the rest of the round, but it definitely was a Chris Ariola round, so you got you got 10-8 on that scorecard. So Andy's already working his way uh, way back, even though I, I, I did think that he took the first round. And then in the second round, a lot more the same. Andy was very aggressive, and he kept getting caught 
flush coming in. But again, there has to be some level of, of credit you got to give to him and Eddie Reynoso for the kind of shape that he was in in this fight because he never went down. He, he you know, he, he never went down after that first initial flash. Like he got hit, stumbled, looked like he was about to hit uh, to, to go down, but he was able to keep his wits, keep his mindset and everything uh, about that and was able to uh, withstand the storm and, and really from that point really flipped the fight on its head because I, I didn't have Chris winning another round after that, uh, after that third round where it looked like, all right, maybe Chris Ariel is going to pull up the upset here. And, and he's up, you know, 29, 27 after two rounds, he's got a 10, eight in the bag. Maybe this is the spot, but Andy really bared down after that started, you know, boxing his way. Maybe he was a, a little bit more cautious, really started letting Chris come to him and Chris, who really kind of flipped his style on his head with this one because you think about all the the, the punches that he threw against Konecki, uh, and then to this one, it was a much more slowed-down pace, and the gap just kind of started getting wider and wider and wider. The other big swing in this fight really happened in round eight, and Andy was starting to really build some momentum, and then he hit him with a hook right onto his shoulder, and Ariel looked like he was in some serious pain. And from that point on, didn't really look like he had a lot of return fire for Andy Ruiz. Um, the the combinations really started piling up. Andy was hitting some with some vicious, vicious shots. Especially he hit him with a huge one, two, three in the eleventh round. You know, at that point, I got him up one seventeen, uh, one oh seven, one oh one after that round. So I ended up having him close it out one seventeen, one ten. Uh, so it ends up looking like a real blowout, but it really was an interesting fight. Probably up, I say, until like round eight, there was a lot of intrigue because though they weren't the most vicious knockdowns in the world or vicious knockdown in the world and the most vicious uh, shots from like Andy didn't look like, you know, he really collected his wits about him quickly. Hell, you still have the heavy favorite on the ropes and stumbling and bumbling all over the place. And a lot of people were probably shocked seeing that. From with uh and, and to that you got to give a lot of credit to Chris and, and Joe Goosen for the preparation, the conditioning, the game plan. They took advantage of an aggressive fighter, but on its head you also have to look at the new way. And I don't know what that was with Andy because Andy's typically you know more quick speeded. Will let you kind of buy into his mistakes. Uh, he'll he'll take advantage of your mistakes. Uses quick hands. Um, you know he was training with Canelo Alvarez. We know Canelo Alvarez is like the ultimate hunter. He's super aggressive. He goes for the kill. And he looked very similar to uh, to how Eddie Reynoso has been uh, training his fighters. So this was Ryan Garcia in his last fight where he got put on the canvas early. Um, you know, that's just that's the style they go with. They want to be the bully. And and with Andy, um, he was able to kind of divert back to what really is his bread and butter when he's successful. So. Um, overall, I would say, look, you know, if you're Andy Ruiz, one of the things you probably want to come away with, cause it is a Chris Ariola who is 40 years old and you're trying to get back into the title picture. Does this fight do it? I would say probably not from the standpoint of, was it the most impressive performance in the world? No. Um, were there some great things that he could take out of it? Yeah. I mean, he obviously looks in some of the best shape of his career. He was in good enough shape to withstand an early, early storm. And he was able to adjust. I mean, he adjusted to stuff that wasn't working early on in that fight. 
and went back and, and, and went to plan B and plan B basically had it a shutout from the time that he went with that f- from basically round three on or round four on, excuse me. Um, it was a shutout, you know, so at least in my eyes, it was, I, I, you know, who, who they got Larry hazard. That's who's doing the, the, the judging for Fox. I gotta tell you, Fox, you guys know, I don't like, you know, Brian Kenny calling blow by blow. I think he's terrible at it, but honestly, Brian Kenny was the best part of a bad broadcast. tonight. that Fox broadcast is rough. It's rough. And Lennox Lewis is rough. Sean Porter's rough. And I know Sean Porter's very green, so I give him kind of a pass on that. Lennox Lewis, I, you know, he contradicts himself. You know, there was one point where he said, like, in the third round, he was like, uh, no, it was after the knockdown where he goes, oh, Chris Ariel should have pounced on him. And then literally two seconds later, he was like, nah, you know what? Chris Ariel is doing the he's, – he's, he didn't say no. Nah. He's just like, actually – He's like, uh, Chris Ariel, he's doing the smart thing here, you know, biding his time, not going to walk into anything crazy. I'm like, well, you just said the opposite thing 20 seconds ago, Lennox. So, um, yeah, I, uh, but Larry Hazard, I don't know what the, first of all, uh, he gave, I think round three, I'm pretty sure he gave to Chris, uh, he gave to Andy Ruiz, which it was such an, oh yeah, he gave, it was, it was, there were two crazy ones he gave round three to Andy Ruiz which was just crazy because Chris Ariel nearly knocked him down twice in that fight so that in that round and then it was either seven or eight I forget it was super lopsided it was obvious actually I think it was the round Ariola got hurt with his arm and Larry Hazard's like yeah I got the last two rounds for Chris Ariola and even Brian Kenny was like, bro, what are you talking about? So that's why I give Brian Kenny some props for tonight, even though I'm not typically a fan of him calling boxing matches. Uh, I think he probably, you know, I think one of the reasons he was probably good tonight is because he had to kind of keep things on the train tracks a little bit more so he wasn't bringing up wild debates. Because typically, like, when Brian Kenny calls a fight, he's like, he, he turns it into first take, and he's like hosting the great debates of, 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 of boxing. I'm like, bro, just call the fight. And he did a lot more of that tonight. But uh, Sean Porter, not great, uh, but he's new. And Lennox Lewis, like, he's always all over the place. And Larry Hazard, you know, might as well have had Larry Merchant doing the doing the judging. Um, but anyway, as far as the consequences of this fight with Andy, um, because, look, Chris loses a lopsided fight. He's still got name value. Um, he put him on the canvas, so I don't think that Chris Ariel is at a point where he has to retire or anything like that. He can definitely go and keep fighting, but, uh, you look at this for Andy, like how can Andy get into the mix of getting back to title contention? Because look, he is the former unified heavyweight champion of the world that carries a lot of weight, no matter what. I mean, he, he headlined a pay-per-view say whether it was worth the money or not you know we can make jokes or whatever or not all day by the way i thought it was a pretty good card uh and an entertaining card that that fox had put together um but we have to you know we got i gotta know with andy like where where are they gonna go with him next and i i honestly think that all of these top guys um he makes for fun fights i think if they could get I don't know what Deontay Wilder's up to or what they're going to do for his next fight.
but there's no good reason why it shouldn't be against a guy like Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz, first of all, it's a good opportunity for Deontay. I mean, like, I one of my big criticisms of Anthony Joshua was that second fight against uh, Andy Ruiz because Andy Ruiz came into that fight not giving a rat's ass, came 30 pounds heavier than he was tonight, you know, was was maybe uh, a, a couple jogs away from three bills, and you couldn't put him away. A, a guy who humiliated you um, and, and put you to the canvas multiple times, you, you, they mentioned it many times tonight. Basically, you know, you know, stuck, you know, st- stuck and moved the ent- entire fight. And you're the heavyweight champion of the world, and you know, or, or were the, you were the former heavyweight champion of the world, and the guy who blasted you, you're, you, you kind of ran out the clock on him. I think if you're Deontay Wilder, it would carry a lot of weight if he got in there with an Andy Ruiz and just absolutely floored him, especially with that old Anthony Joshua rivalry. Um, we've seen with Andy, he is susceptible to getting put on the canvas. And because of that, you have to take into account a guy like Deontay Wilder could really, really hurt him and really put him out. Um, but also if he's able to keep that pace up and he's able to get within that reach, um, he's by far the better tactical boxer, which we've seen against a guy like Tyson Fury or many fighters that, that uh, or like Luis Ortiz, we've seen this with with Deontay at all times. Like he can get outboxed many a fights. So I think it's an intriguing fight. Uh, quite frankly, they also have this whole like if this whole thing doesn't go down with AJ and Tyson Fury, and there's a lot of varying reports on where things are because you had uh, Bob Arum say this week that the fight is dead in the water at least for the summer. Eddie Hearn saying the fight is done. Uh, Tyson Fury has been very clear that he wants to be active. So if the fight's not going to happen this summer, can there be a fight in the summer with anybody of note? If you're a big, if you're a guy like Tyson Fury and you're looking for a, a marketable fight, taking on Andy Andy Ruiz is definitely that for sure. Um, I don't know what his, uh, I don't know what his, uh, um, contract situation is i know that he's he's an al Heyman guy but so there may be some friction there as far as making the fight but they did it with hell they did it with uh deontay wilder i just think that um and it would you know you'd predict that it would be on pay-per-view um so i think tyson fury and deontay wilder are are good fun matchups that i'd like to see with uh with a guy who held all the belts and has you know a huge signature knockout victory over Anthony Joshua. And also I think if you're Tyson Fury, uh, it's a cool thing to kind of have going into it. Cause if Tyson Fury goes and obliterates Andy Ruiz, he's got that going into the AJ fight anyway. Um, and then honestly, there's always the AJ trilogy. Now the thing is, I don't think AJ will take it. Uh, I think the other two guys, they'd probably gladly go in there with Andy Ruiz. I don't think that the other two, I don't think that uh, AJ would. I think that he's gonna unless he gets into a situation where he's absolutely handcuffed by the uh, by the mandatories or something like that. I I just don't think he's gonna do it. But anyway, from my standpoint, Andy Ruiz. Uh, I hope that you know maybe we get maybe against the Luis Ortiz. Maybe we get him against a uh, you know a Joe Parker again. They they had a, a very close fight the last time. Joe Parker got the the nod today. Although I thought Derek Azor should have gotten the uh, gotten his arm raised. Quite frankly. And then, um, 
maybe Dillian White. I don't know. I just think that there's uh, there's that this guy is still there's a couple things that go for him. One, he's the former unified heavyweight champion of the world, so he's always going to have that. Two. I think he's super marketable. Like, you know, look, you just saw in a crowd today, people in California, they have the headbands on, they love him. So he definitely, I think, can sell, especially in Southern California. If you did a fight down in Mexico or you did a fight by Texas, I think that Andy Ruiz sells. I think that he's a, he's a marketable guy. I think that when he won heavyweight championship of the world, you saw the endorsements and the, like the, the fat guy who can knock people out and the fat guy that can be an effective boxer. Um, there's something there, and and there's something about him too. I think his persona that's a little bit more, bum, uh, a little less bombastic than uh, Tyson Fury is. So I think people connect with him a little bit more. So I don't know. I don't know if this performance necessarily warrants. Oh, a- Andy deserves to get X, Y, and Z next. But I do think that there were some good things that we could say. Hey, under Eddie Reynoso. This guy took on a hardened veteran who doesn't get, you know, floored. He's get stopped, as they mentioned tonight, but he's not a guy who gets just absolutely, you know, obliterated when he goes out there. And quite frankly, the, you know, he fought a better version of Chris Ariola than Deontay Wilder did. Like he fought a very motivated, in shape, tuned up Chris Ariola uh, who, who caught him, you know, and Andy can get caught. And that's kind of what makes him entertaining, too is that he doesn't let the fist stop flying, and he's very, very tough. So, all in all, probably give the performance a... Uh, I would probably give the performance from Andy a B because he did get knocked down, and it did look a little dangerous there. But also, being in the shape that he was in, you have to give him credit for that. The adjustments, give him credit for that. And, you know, hurting Chris Ariola's arm, I mean, that is still a thing. Like, you know... People are all slobbing over Canelo when he does it. And he basically did the same thing, uh, knocked out his shoulder. And, and that really, really sunk the fight for, for Andy Ruiz. So uh, a little signature there from Eddie Reynoso of uh, taking out the arms. I will take a quick break. We'll get into some of the news of the week. Plus uh, recap, a couple of things from UFC, kind of a lackluster night to be honest, but it did end with an absolute highlight reel knockout and uh, a huge new contender at 205. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody. It's Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Uh, let's get into a little bit of UFC. So last night, you were back at the Apex. Uh, I, you know, I'm back from uh, Jacksonville last week where we did the show, and I uh, hope everybody enjoyed that recap. I really did have a lot of fun going to uh, see the UFC in person, and hopefully uh, it'll happen again. You know, According to Dana White, they're going to be coming back to Florida a bunch. We'll see. Actually, got a... Um, I mean, we got a bunch of local stuff that we should get to, but let me just do a quick recap of the UFC because not much from last night. The huge, huge, uh, the night did end up with a, di- a dynamite knockout. This fight between Dominic Reyes and Yuri Prohoshka was sensational because the night was, I think it was basically, I'm pretty sure it was decisions the entire card up until you got to Giga Chikotsky who got the win over Cub Swanson. He beat him with that uh, giga kick right to uh, right to the uh, to the body of Cub and then finished him off. And that was a bummer for me because I love Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson is just, he's just such a G. And I, I hate seeing a guy go down like that. He was, uh, you know, winner of a couple in a row and being kind of like almost like the Miami Heat lately of, of the UFC where he wins four, loses four, wins two, loses one, you know, just kind of that rut, that, that, back and forth uh that his career has been but 
I just love the guy as a fighter. So to see him lose like he did uh, to Giga was uh, was tough. But that was, uh, you know, it was good to see some action from the standpoint of, man, it was just all these fights are going the distance. Nothing too memorable. Kutalaba versus Dustin Jacoby was pretty enter- entertaining. Um, but but uh, it was like, finally, you got to see something where a guy really, really uh, overwhelmed it and something cool. But Yuri Prohoshka versus Dominic Reyes, that was a fire fight. That was, this fight was absolutely nuts because it was... Back and forth, Dominic looked in a lot of trouble. His eye was starting to close up. He was weathered back. Uh, Prashka got a takedown. Dominic almost got a guillotine on him. Then he got put onto side control. Then, you know, he was Prashka was doing that thing again, like he did in the last fight, where he's just his head's all over the place. He doesn't fight typical, and so he's taking shots onto the chin, but he's wearing them. And then, uh. You know, Dominic is starting to look pretty good in round two. Um, but then there's like a minute left. They have this exchange and they get up against the cage. And Yuri Pahashka unloads a spinning elbow and puts Dominic Reyes face planted onto the canvas. It was crazy. So just a a, a vicious knockout from Bahashka who look man I mean like this guy has two fights in the UFC they're both absolutely sensational knockouts um you know the story's been told that the guy you know waited his time and you know took his time to come into the UFC and became the rising light heavyweight champion and all that type of stuff and has taken out you know guys that you've heard of King Mohammed Lawal, Fabio Maldonado, CB Dalloway like guys who are UFC veterans and he's coming here and now has two fights basically in two years I mean he doesn't fought much in the UFC but you know is definitely now positioned to go and 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 get one for the title so absolutely sensational for him I don't know uh if he's you know I, I would say this though I wouldn't you know they got it looks like it's gonna go um Jan Blahovich against Glover Teixeira like that's the direction they're going to go first. And then if you're him, you're 28 years old, I would still fight. You know, like I know that if, even if you're in this great position to go in there and you're, you're going to collect a belt, who knows? Those are two old, older guys. You know, don't put yourself in a position, I think, where you are going to be fighting like once a year. I think if you're him, you keep your name hot. You go fight somebody, whoever, whomever that may be. Like if I'm looking at the light heavyweight rankings right now, I mean, there's some dangerous ones in there, too, because Yuri Prohoshka versus Alexander Rochik, uh, that's a really good fight. Uh, you know, Anthony Smith coming off what he just had. I mean, that's a fun fight, too. Like, I would just, I would keep in action. I would keep in action, even if there's a little bit of risk involved. I think there is benefit for him, one, keeping his name out there to make his championship fight a big deal, and two, uh, just to keep sharpening your skills, even if you feel like they are in a good spot because you've uh, crafted a lot of that stuff before coming to the UFC. Um, I just think it's I think it's beneficial that he uh, he still keeps in there. But I'll tell you one thing: uh, with a knockout like that over Dominic Reyes, uh, I would just be like, "Bro, bring me that belt." I would uh, I would I would be I would be peacocking all over the place. Uh, with Dominic, it's tough. Dominic, I was trying to think about like 
because I was actually thinking about this going into this fight. You know, what if Dominic doesn't come out? Because you know he knew that Prochko was going to be a tough one. Where does that put him? It's it's a little bit like I think the best example I can put it at right now is it kind of reminds me of what's going on with Tony with Tony Ferguson. Now Dominic's younger, so you probably have a little bit more faith that this isn't like him falling off of a cliff. But you think about how much his life would have been different if the scorecards against John Jones would have read the way a lot of people felt they should have been read, which was him as light heavyweight champion. And now he has a knockout loss to Jan Blahovich as what was supposed to be really a coronation. Like that was a fight where everybody thought he was going to walk in there and walk out the champion. He was the, the heir apparent. And now you have this, and this kind of reminds me of with Tony where everybody thought for years, Tony was the best 155 on the planet the uncrowned champion never really got that chance to prove it other than uh winning the the interim title against kevin lee and then having his interim title fight against gaethje and just getting obliterated and then the fight against charles Oliveira getting obliterated so they weren't knockout losses so much as they were you know dominant losses over the entire fight although he did get stopped against gaethje now i think about it um but you know what i mean like they weren't like flatlined out out like uh, like Dominic's have been, but that's what it recently reminds me of. Is like, man, this guy was so close to having maybe the greatest upset and greatest achievement in UFC history of beating John Bones Jones. He doesn't get his arm raised. John gets the nod. John now is moving to heavyweight, so he doesn't get the rematch, and so now he has these two losses. It's just such a cruel swing uh, for his career right now. Um, so yeah, there's that. Let's get into, so I was mentioning some local stuff that's going down here, and I'll get to this news first, because this is really cool. So the promotion Bare Knuckle FC, BKFC, uh, got a good relationship with those guys, you know, talked to the president, David Feldman, a bunch. I've been to a lot of Bare Knuckle fights. I, you know, I didn't know what to make of Bare Knuckle. Um... But I enjoy it. I, I do. I mean, like it's it, it's it's I, the thing that I think people don't realize is it is a very very different sport from boxing, and it is a different sport from MMA. Like this is a sport that really, really, really rewards aggressiveness. You know, for most time, people tell you, you know, in fighting to be it's a sweet science. You got to pick your spots. You don't leave yourself defenseless, and. With bare knuckle, it really doesn't feel like the guy who picks his spots and tries to sweet science it. It doesn't really benefit you very much. Like it, it's better to bring the fight, be throw a lot of punches, and try and catch your opponents with as many shots as possible. And sometimes that means it ends quickly, and sometimes it means you're going to outpoint them. But I've seen that you've seen this with a lot of UFC guys coming in and a lot of guys in the cut, Tiago Alves, Hector Lombard, Paige Van Zant, seasoned combat fighters who you see them in there and they're just not quite sure how to go about the fight until like third round kicks in and bing light bulb goes off and you see the talent kind of take over. So it's fascinating in that regard, but this is going to be, a really, really cool card because you got four title fights that are coming. They don't have a date yet and they don't have a venue. All they've said is it's going to be in June, which is already going to be a busy month down here because we have 
Tiafimo Lopez against George Cambosis, light cha- lightweight champion of the world, which I don't even think that has a venue yet, even though I don't think fans are going to go. We have the other fight that I'm going to get to in a second, which is going to be the day after that, June 6th. And then this, which, you know, I'm hoping isn't the last month of the, uh, is it going to be the last fight of the month? Because uh, that would be great for me because I would need, uh, I would, uh, I have, I have anniversary plans. So if they could keep it in like that June 20th weekend, then because of the weekend, let me think if, if I could have send a message out to BKFC, like the June 12th weekend looks pretty good to me. Let's keep it in there. If I may, if I may. I may suggest. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, the, here's a couple cool things that are happening with this. So we got Hector Lombard. He's taking on Joe Riggs. That's going to be a title fight. You got uh, Luis Palomino. He's going to be taking on. Uh, he's going to be taking on Tyler Goodjohn. And this guy's cool. He's got like, he kind of looks like British Joe Exotic, if I could. Uh, like when I waltz, waltz around and see him at the. Uh, at the last BKFC, but he's he's really good at, at bare knuckle too. And Luis Palomino has been the champ. Uh, just beat Jim Ayler's the last time that they had a card down here. And uh, the one I'm honestly most excited about. You also got Joey Beltran is going to be taking on. Uh, you got uh, Sam uh, Shoemaker, which is a great heavyweight fight. But the one I'm most excited about, Tiago Alves taking on Yuli the Monster Diaz. That to me is the fight of the night because you got Yuli coming off that three second knockout, and Tiago Alves, of course, just longtime UFC veteran, based down here. I don't think it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a very respectful buildup, but for people down here, that's a hell of a fight and a hell of a card. So very, very exciting announcement from BKFC. I cannot wait for uh, for that. Hopefully, you guys don't put it at the uh, the end of June because then I can't go. So. Just keep it there, like the 12th. That would be the best for me, please. Thank you. Anyway, the other thing that was announced this week, it's happening. Floyd Mayweather Jr. is going to fight an exhibition against Logan Paul, and it's going to be at Hard Rock Stadium on June 6th. And I'm curious to see what this does business-wise, because mind you, this fight was supposed to happen a while ago, and there were reports, because remember, they put out like a whole tier system on how to buy this. And there were reports that this did not do great business-wise in the pre-sales. Not that a lot of people... I don't even know who the people who do pre-sales. I don't know who does that. I don't even understand the point of it. And now they're doing Showtime pay-per-view. So they're going to have a real pay-per-view comedy behind it. A real boxing comedy behind it. So I think that's definitely going to help. Because it'll just... They'll do the hype videos. They'll do all access. Like I do think that's going to help it a lot as opposed to Fanamonio or whatever the hell it was. Um, I just think that's going to be very beneficial to hyping the fight. Uh, but th- th- look, there's something to be said for like Logan Paul is a Paul brother, but he has not had the highlight success. His brother has had while in a boxing ring. Um, I actually remember his fight against KSI because Shannon the Cannon Briggs was training him for it. And Logan Paul actually kind of got screwed by the officials because he got a knockout on KSI, but then hit him again. And they took two points away from him, I think. And that really, I think, swung the fight. The fact that I know so much about this is a little depressing. I got to be honest with you. The point of it is, though, but he didn't knock, he didn't knock him out. Like, he didn't go out 
against KSI. And I believe he, lo- I think he lost the exhibition or maybe it was a draw. Um, but he doesn't have what his brother has. And that's not to say fame. Like Logan Paul is very famous and has a ton of clout and all that type of stuff. These are the lingo the kids use these days. But his fight against Floyd Mayweather, I do think loses a little bit of something uh, just because his uh, he doesn't have like, first of all, I don't think people hate him nearly as much as his brother, Jake. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I just don't, at least not in the combat community, they certainly don't. Like in the combat community, he literally has every UFC fan in an arena telling, chanting F Jake Paul, F Jake Paul. Logan Paul doesn't have that. Uh, I don't think the boxing community, boxing community is a little too highfalutin anyway. So I don't know how much they're going to, like I was listening to uh, some podcasts this week and they're like, oh, well, whatever. I'm not even going to buy it, which is a complete lie because they're going to go cover it and get a ton of clicks. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to watch it. That's the one thing with you guys. Like I tell you, like I ask you if you want me to cover it or not. For the most part, you're like, yeah, what's it? What's the, what's the harm in it? Because I do watch everything I've watched. I watched the highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows. The, uh, the highest level of stuff, the regional stuff, all I've been to everything. And I'll watch I'll watch Lamar Odom versus uh, uh, Aaron Carter. I'll, I'll watch that too. But um, I do think that Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul, there's a couple things that are missed for it. One, it seems just so lopsided that you can't even convince yourself into it, right? Like we saw this story before with Connor versus Floyd and you know, Connor got one uppercut on him and he is a professional combat athlete, but he basically got one uppercut on Floyd and that was it. You know, maybe you thought that he won more than one round. I thought that he got a couple just because he was more active, but not because he was out skilling Floyd Mayweather. Now you have a guy in Logan Paul who couldn't even beat somebody called KSI and barely landed a punch on him, taking on the best boxer of the last 15, 20 years. And the only fathomable argument anybody could ever come up with, and I've heard Logan Paul talk about this on his podcast, is, well, I'm going to have a lot of weight on him. It's like, all right, but you're not going to catch him. It's just not going to, like, you don't think Floyd's ever sparred with people bigger than him. You don't think Floyd's ever worked out with people bigger than him ever. Um, so I honestly think like in all honesty, I think like his, this would be, if I was Floyd, I would wait and just offer his brother the fight. I think that would be, I think that honestly would be a monster because his brother has the crazy knockouts. I don't know how this is going to do. I'm curious. Uh, they're doing it down here. It's going to be at hard rock stadium. I imagine a lot of people are going to want to go because it's an event. And we're in event town, and um, they'll have a lot of celebrities. I know, I know they'll have a lot of celebrities want to go and see Floyd do his thing. Floyd's gonna have basically the entire professional athlete uh, realm backing him up and being happy because he's gonna whoop Logan Paul's ass over the over the span of whatever this is, ten rounds. Who knows? But. You know, the, the only the only thing that adds extra intrigue to me is that this is going to be in our town. So to me, that's going to add uh, something to it, you know, just a little bit of a, a, a something to it as far as uh, as far as the fight game is concerned. And this fight is concerned. We'll take a quick break. There is a real fight coming up next week. It's called Canal Alvarez against Billy Joe Saunders, plus a couple of other news and notes from the week. We'll get to some of that coming up next.
Welcome back, everybody. It's Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. As let's get into a couple of things from the week, the week that was in the fight world. Uh, bummer. Uh, we've got the news this week. Yoel Romero, he did not clear uh, his medical screening ahead of his Bellator fight with Anthony Rumble Johnson. I was super excited for that fight next week. Um because I haven't been like completely on this Bellator back to Showtime train. Um, you know, there's a couple fights that'll get me into Bellator and all that type of stuff. It's just, you know, that Friday night always gets me too. Um, but this one I was definitely going to uh, to be set up for. It was, it was actually, we were planning on having Yoel on the show and all that type of stuff. So this sucks getting that news this week. Hopefully he'll be back soon. According to his managers, he will be back very soon. Um which uh, I hope is the case because I, I love watching both of these guys fight. And I was looking forward to both of them at 205, both of them in Bellator, which means you know what that means. And so uh, I'm, I, it was a bummer that we're not going to get this. Um, the other thing that uh, happened in the UFC this week that was uh, that was interesting. So Diego Sanchez got released from the UFC after 16 years with the company. And... This was a weird story because basically his agent slash trainer slash manager has a really bad relationship with Dana White and Hunter Campbell, who's their lawyer, and Sean Shelby. He's, I guess, basically, from what I understand, and I listened to this phone call, they wanted the medical records of Diego Sanchez, who was having a retirement fight coming up soon against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And his manager called up and wanted all of his medical records from the past years. And it was just basically to get a record of, Oh, if he has injuries and they need to know how to treat it and all this type of stuff. So they were, you know, the UFC wasn't obliging in that decision. And they were kind of like, well, why are you asking this? Like, is he okay? And he's like, he's fine. It's just that, you know, if something were to flare up over the next, whatever, we just want to have records of it. And so the UFC just decided we're caught them. So that's a strange, uh, that's a strange story and ending to just a legends run. I mean, like, look, I think Diego Sanchez probably should have stopped fighting a little bit ago. Don't get me wrong, especially where this dude who he's been training with has been like giving him lightning energy and all that type of stuff. But, um, Still so unceremonious for a guy who has been in the company and been with the company for so, so damn long. So that's an interesting one, man. And we finally started getting a little bit of John Jones, Francis, and Ganu heat between the both of them. John did say something to the effect of like, oh, the title is going to, I'm going to bring the title back, to the greatest title in the world back to the greatest country. So that kind of got everybody's eyebrows raised like, oh. Is John like hinting that he is uh, he is going like the the negotiations are going well? There was a there was one uh, nego- speaking of negotiations. There was some announcement this week that he and his management crew, the guys down here in Miami, first round management, they split. They had an amicable split, and they no re- no longer represent John Jones. A lot of people uh, thought this was dramatic because there was this rift. We talked a little bit about this last week with John saying that or denying that he requested $30 million to fight Francis Ngannou. And John's like, well, where did you hear that from? Did that come from first round management? I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't I don't think that they would make a lavish request like that without discussing that with John Jones. And from what some people on the internet have said, like this has been a split that's been happened that's been there for a while. It just has been finally announced, and you know John hasn't fought in a while either, so makes a little bit of sense. But those guys have been together forever. I remember having them waltzing around the New York radio row back in the day and interviewing John Jones uh, in New York back when he was, uh, I wouldn't say he was an Uber superstar yet, but, uh, but I knew he was, and I was like, I was pumped to talk to John Jones. So, and I only got like five minutes with him too, with, uh, cause he was a little bit off tour, but still super cool. But that was, uh, that's kind of the world of John Jones, him and, and Ngannou were going back and forth this week. Oh, I don't fear you. I'm going to break you. And Ngannou was like, you don't break anybody. You're a decision fighter. So, I like it. I like the fact that those guys are getting a little uh, heat. By the way, there was some cool video this week. I also should mention a Francis Ngannou returning to Cameroon uh, with the belt. That was cool, man. That was just to to for to see him there like a conquering uh, hero back in Africa. Super cool. And I hope that they could do that UFC Africa soon. I know that Dana mentioned like 2022, which I don't know if that's pandemic related or just logistics related, but you know, for them to have Kamaru, Francis Ngannou, and Israel Adesanya, all as champs. I mean, it just seems right. Now, look, they could have those guys on the card fighting for the belts, and it still would be a huge deal. But uh, having all three of those guys as champions right now is really, really cool. Um, All right, let's get into a little bit of boxing. So we obviously have a big one coming up next week. It is Canelo Alvarez against Billy Joe Saunders for... The 168-pound Unified Championship. Uh, Canelo Alvarez coming into this with the WBA and the WBC and the Ring Magazine Super Middleweight title. Billy Joe Saunders has the WBO version of that title. The IBF is held by Caleb Plant, who was on the broadcast last night on Fox. Um, This, to me, is interesting on a couple fronts because you are getting Canelo against a much more elusive fighter like if you were to look over the last probably man i'm looking at it right now like these are the last opponents for canelo and you would go it's abney yildirim callum smith sergey kovalev danny jacobs uh rocky fielding triple g triple g jose uh julio cesar chavez jr liam smith and then you have amir khan uh, who we who we knocked out. And Amir kind of wouldn't even say is like the most defensive fighter in the world. So it's been a while since Canelo's fought a guy with, I would say, the boxing skill set of a Billy Joe Saunders. Um, you know, Billy Joe is is very elusive, you know, is a guy who who makes people miss. He is a he's a pain in the ass as far as the fight lead up is concerned. I think we're going to get a lot of that this upcoming week because it's been fairly quiet in the buildup. I would say, um, at least I haven't seen much. Now, it may be a language barrier thing, so maybe that's that's a that's a tough thing for for Billy Joe Saunders to expose that aspect of this fight. Uh, but either way, I think that uh, Canelo does have a, a a tall task on his hands with this upcoming fight against Billy Joe. I, I do. I think like there's a couple things that I like about Canelo coming into this fight. One is I do think that he wears 168 a lot better than Billy Joe. So Billy Joe is going to be a little bit bigger. Will he be a little bit slower? Um, he hasn't had too many fights at 168 as of yet. 
So I, I feel like Canelo, this this wait for him is uh, is as optimal as it gets for a guy like him. Like I just feel like we've seen a guy who's super aggressive, and he may just walk down Billy Joe Saunders in the elusiveness in a matter. He may back him into a corner, back him up against the ropes, and you know this isn't like him taking on David Lemieux and he's looking into the stands or something like that. Like I do think that he is taking on a much higher quality fighter but it is going to be an interesting adjustment for canelo because he's mostly been taking on pretty stationary guys i mean you know and and guys who are you know a lot physically bigger and and billy joe's taller than him but i wouldn't i don't know if you necessarily want to call him like the naturally bigger man just because he's a little taller like their reach is basically the same canelo's a little bit more this way he's been all the way up to light heavyweight um, you know, he's filled out very, very strong. I'm curious what the odds are right now. I've always, I never look at these until showtime. Billy Joe Saunders odds, uh, right now, Canelo's a minus 750 favorite and Billy Joe Saunders is plus 470. I find that very steep. I find that very steep just because of what Billy Joe is going to uh, to bring to the the standpoint of going and and making Canelo miss, uh, can he get him flustered? You know, this is a guy who is he wins and Canelo and Canelo's listening. He's certainly been steamrolling in his last few fights, but let's mind who it's against. Abney Yildirim, Callum Smith was a good win. But he wasn't going like Callum Smith almost turtled up. Like he was a a big man who didn't use any of his size. Sergey Kovalev, in a lot of ways, was outboxing him early in that fight before he got knocked out. Um, Danny Jacobs, he he handled pretty handily. He handled quite well. Rocky Fielding wasn't even close. I'm trying to think of like recent Canelo in this middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight era. You know, once you start going back and you go go back down to junior middleweight. It's a little bit tougher, I think, to gauge because that's not really the same guy. Like some people may say, oh, we'll go back to the air as Landy Lara fight. It's like, yeah, but that was, yeah, what are we talking? We're talking a guy at that point who was 24 years old and is two weight classes down. Like I will say, like Canelo mentioned this week and he's like, oh, well, prime me would have beaten Floyd Mayweather. I would have knocked him out. And I don't know. I don't really buy that. I, I I think that first of all, a prime you, a prime you, I think is this you. I think that this is prime Canelo Alvarez. I think that the guy who we see today at 168 pounds, at this middleweight, super middleweight, I think this is the best Canelo Alvarez. I don't think a Canelo Alvarez who had to wilt down to 150, 150, 152. I don't think that's the best version of Canelo Alvarez is or ever will be. So this idea that, oh, okay, if I was 168 and I got, oh, what are you, Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather Jr.? Like you, if you were two weight classes above Floyd Mayweather or he had to come up, you would beat him? I don't know. If you're saying that you with this version of 151, 152, or whatever catch weight they had you at at that time, if you're saying that you could have beaten Floyd Mayweather back then or could beat him now with all the smarts that you have, I got a hard time buying it. I really, really do. That fight was such a blowout. Now, I do think it was beneficial for Canelo. I do think that he learned a lot from that fight. Um, but the idea that it's going to shrink this much, I don't know, because we've seen him against Austin Trout have those same troubles, and Ares Landy Lara against those same troubles, and Floyd Mayweather have those same troubles. Like, 
those elusive guys who are good boxers who can make things awkward, Canelo has had his hands full a little bit. Um, the question is, is Billy Joe Saunders in that class? And at this weight class, does that translate as much? Because people may feel people may feel right now like Canelo Alvarez. I feel like they're putting him at a level that is probably higher than he really is at. And what I mean by that is I think Canelo Alvarez is one of the best pound for pound fighters on the planet. But I think he's a vulnerable fighter. I think we saw that against Gennady Golovkin, and I think we've seen that over his career. Um, now, some of that is what—it's what we like about Canelo. Like Canelo takes risks. Canelo dares to be great. Canelo wants to go up to weight classes. He wants to take on six foot one, six foot three guys. He wants to take on uh, you know light heavyweights. He wants to do all these you know machismo, beautiful things, and that's what we love about Canelo. But as far as the gap in boxing skill set, I don't know if he is like vaulted to this level where I would say, hey, some of the problems that he's had against these guys who are super skilled boxers and super elusive, does that just go away in a Billy Joe Saunders fight? I don't know. I still think that uh, I still think that Billy Joe Saunders can present some problems with Canelo. Now, ultimately, there's a couple of things. One, I think if Canelo is aggressive and he can and he can put the pressure on. I still think that this is a guy who can, one, find a way to knock out Billy Joe Saunders or is a guy that probably could get seven out of five rounds against him, um, especially in a Texas crowd. Like everything that gets close to Billy Joe Saunders is going to be a raucous. They're going to be a huge crowd at AT&T Stadium. It's going to be hard for Billy to go out there and win a decision against Canelo unless it is just so blatantly obvious. And... I don't know. I don't I don't think this is a guy in Canelo because he can make you miss a little bit too. And if 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 in the midst of punches Billy Joe tries to throw something uh to get any kind of offense going, he's got to he's got to almost pull like a uh to to take one of his stablemates. He's got to pull almost like a Klitschko versus Tyson Fury type performance where he freezes him up so much and makes him so gun shy that it's clear he's the champion at the end of this. And I'm not ready to pull. I, I don't think I'm ready to believe in that yet. I st- I, I think most likely, I think Canelo Alvarez is going to come away with a close decision, maybe even somewhat controversial. I think that this could be one of those ones where, you know, Canelo is going to get the nod and maybe some boxing pundits think, nah, I think Billy Joe's style. I think he, that he should have won that fight. Um, but Canelo, I think, is going to come forward, throw a lot of punches. The crowd's going to roar. Um, maybe there's a couple swing rounds there early. Um, so I'm also I'm going to give Canelo the nod in this one. But you know, seeing the odds in this one being as lopsided, that I don't think they should be that lopsided. I think Billy Joe's a really, really good fighter. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen him. You know, the one where the one that is not on his resume that I wish was was it, the fight that he was supposed to have with Andre before he got the the PED suspension. I wish that we would have seen that because I think that's just a real step up in class. Even though I know that wasn't the same weight class, uh, I wish we would have gotten the idea of what where he was with that going into this one. But I'm looking forward. It's it's the most excited I've been about a Canelo fight in a long while outside of the last one because I was super excited to just be part of the spectacle that was down here. So that's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We will talk to you next time.